Good afternoon from wet uh, northeast Texas here in the Tyler area. We are getting some much needed and appreciated rain. I hope wherever you are that the circumstances are going well. Our Bible classes here at West Irwin Church of Christ in downtown Tyler. Our adult classes begin a series of lessons on following God starting this Sunday and the first month is going to be in the book of Philippians and so this week is a, a great study in looking at that call to follow God and to trust in Christ and to have joy in your life, whatever your circumstances. So I know that's easy to say when the circumstances are good, but uh, Paul's circumstances were not good. He was writing from uh, prison, one of the prison epistles, I think probably written from the incarceration that we read about at the end of the book of Acts when Paul was under somewhat of a house arrest in Rome that he would be released from and then later, years later, um, be captured again and arrested again and finally put to death by being beheaded because he was a Roman um, citizen. He could not be uh, crucified, so he was, um, he was beheaded. Um, all of that to get us to Jeremiah and the fall of Jerusalem and um, the lamentations. Uh, lament is such an important part of our lives because in this world we do suffer loss and losses need to be grieved. Losses uh, need to be mourned and a lament is one of the ways that we do that. Many of the Psalms are laments. Probably the one that is um, reminded, uh, uh, brought to our minds in this study at this time is Psalm 137, which is a psalm that uh, the exiles pen from uh, being in exile in Babylon and a very heart-rending message that maybe we'll uh, mention in a few moments as well. Uh, but in the midst of all of this, there are a couple of songs that uh, stem from words that Jeremiah shares, even in the midst of difficulty. And so we're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, this little uh, caveat on the end of the life, uh, the last stage of Jeremiah's life. He'll, he'll report on some things, or the book of Jeremiah will report on some things later. But in chapters 42 and 43 is, a, is just a, adding insult to injury, I think, is the way we say it. Because for Jeremiah, he has been preaching and prophesying that what was happening was going to happen, the destruction of Jerusalem, the fall of Judah at the hands of the Babylonians because of the sinfulness of God's people. And even though many of the rulers and many of the other prophets and almost everyone had turned against him because of what he was saying, Jeremiah was, uh, his words were found out to be true. But in chapters 42 and 43 with the exile or the exile and the um, destruction of the temple and the palace, the walls, all of that going on, uh, there is a group that comes to Jeremiah and asks him for a favor. And so at the beginning of chapter 42, um, these men come to him and, uh, and they say uh, to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 42 verse 2, please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now only a few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. Now that sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds really good, but Jeremiah sees through their duplicity because they're not asking him 
to tell them the word of the Lord on what they should do and where they should go, even even though uh, it sounds like it. They're not doing that any more than they had uh, heard and listened to anything else Jeremiah had said. And Jeremiah sees that. Uh, in verse 4 of Jeremiah 42, I have heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God as you have requested. I will tell you everything the Lord says and will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us. Whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us for we will obey the Lord our God. Unfortunately, that was never their intention. They were willing to obey the Lord their God if the Lord their God told them what they wanted to hear and instructed them to do what they wanted to do. Aren't you glad we're not like that? <laughs> Yikes. It still goes on. Verse 7, 10 days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So he calls them all back together and says, I've heard from the Lord. I've, I've done what you've asked. In verse 9, Jeremiah said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition, says. If you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord. For I am with you and will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. Verse 13, however, if you say we will not stay in this land and so disobey the Lord your God, and if you say no, we will go and live in Egypt where we will not see war or hear the trumpet or be hungry or bre for bread, then hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and you do go to settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you there. And the famine you dread will follow you into Egypt, and there you will die. Indeed, all who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there will die by the sword, famine, and plague. Not one of them will survive or escape the disaster I will bring on them. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. As my anger and wrath have been poured out on those who lived in Jerusalem, so will my wrath be poured out on you who go to Egypt. You will be a curse and an object of horror a curse and an object of reproach. You will never see this place again. Remnant of Judah, the Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Be sure of this. I warn you today that you made a fatal mistake when you sent me to the Lord your God and said, pray to the Lord our God for us. Tell us everything he says and we will do it. I have told you today, but you still have not obeyed the Lord your God and all he sent me to tell you. So now be sure of this. You will die by the sword, famine, and plague in the place where you want to go to settle. So they go to Jeremiah and they say, hey, we want you to go to the Lord and we want you to ask him what we should do and where we should go. And we promise we're going to do everything the Lord tells us. And Jeremiah says, okay, I will. But listen, if, if you don't do it, it's not going to go well with you. So after 10 days, the Lord gives him the message. He calls them all back and he tells them, well, here's the word of the Lord. Here's what you've asked me to do. And the word of the Lord is, don't go to Egypt. Don't go anywhere. Stay right there in the city. Uh, 
I, I have relented. I'm going to ease up uh, this wrath that I've been showing to my people in the city of Jerusalem. And don't fear the king of Babylon. Stay there in the city and it will go well with you. But if you go away, if you go to Egypt like you intend to do, then you'll die there. It's interesting that for all of the rest of Jeremiah's preaching and prophesying for decades, he has been telling them, look, just go to Babylon, just surrender and be taken into exile because this is from the Lord. Don't stay here in the city. And all who stayed in the city were killed. And we saw that in a very violent way on Tuesday. Um, and, and so now he's telling them, look, uh, stay here. God is, God is done punishing this city. He's not going to let the king of Babylon punish us anymore. If we just stay here, it'll, it'll be okay. But if we leave, it's not, if we flee to Egypt to think that we can trust in Egypt rather than the Lord, our God, uh, he will follow us there and punish us. The exiles who have left are safe in Babylon and will be, uh, for another 70 or so years. The ones who are in the city of Jerusalem, though poor, and, and all that's left there is destruction, God says that they will be provided for. So let's hear what this group has to say to Jeremiah upon hearing all of this. Jeremiah 43, when Jeremiah had finished telling the people all the words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah, Johanan, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you're lying. <laughs> The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt to settle there. But Baruch, son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians so they may kill us or carry us into exile to Babylon. So uh, their response is the same response it's always been. You're lying. You're not speaking for the Lord. When Jeremiah is the only one speaking for the Lord. And so now they say the same thing. You just want us to stay here and be killed by the Babylonians. Verse 4, so Johanan, son of Kariah, and all the army officers and all the people disobeyed the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, they led away all the remnant of Judah who had come back to live in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been scattered. This was during the exile. Um, verse 6, they also led away all those whom Nebuzaradan, commander of the imperial guard, had left with Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, the men, the women, the children, and all the king's daughters, because the king of Babylon had killed all of his sons. And they took Jer Jeremiah, prophet, the prophet, and Baruch, son of Neriah, along with them. So they entered Egypt in disobedience to the Lord and went as far as Toponese. It wasn't enough for them to disobey the word of the Lord that they had specifically promised to hear and obey. But again, to add insult to injury, they took Jeremiah with them. And so Jeremiah the prophet uh, leaves his homeland that he loved so dearly that he had fought so hard for decades to save and to spare and is forced against his will to go against the will of the Lord to Egypt as if Egypt could protect them from the Babylonians as if Egypt was stronger than the Lord their God it was such a horrible horrible thing and so Jeremiah goes he has no choice he goes against his will Baruch his faithful assistant goes with him and as uh, Jeremiah obviously dies sometime after that in Egypt it's a very tragic ending to the life 
uh, and the work and ministry of Jeremiah. Uh, but before he goes, Jeremiah, in the midst of all of this suffering, in the midst of all of this devastation, in the midst of, of the death of the king and all of his sons in a very violent, brutal way, uh, the capturing of all of the people, the walls being torn down, the temple of Solomon being burned to the ground, the palace that David built being destroyed. In the midst of all of that, Jeremiah writes the book of Lamentations, and it's exactly what the name says. It is a lament. It is a lament. I'm tempted to read all of it, but we won't do that for time considerations, but let's read part of it, starting in Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1. How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She was queen among the provinces. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. He's talking about Jerusalem, representing all of God's people, and specifically the southern kingdom of Judah. After affliction and harsh labor, verse 3, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to her appointed festivals. So sad. All her gateways are desolate, her priests groan, her young women grieve, and she is in bitter anguish. Her foes have become her masters, her enemies are at ease. The Lord has brought her grief because of her many sins. Her children have gone into exile, captive before the foe. All the splendor has departed from daughter Zion. Verse 6. Her princes are like deer and that find no pasture. In weakness they have fled before the pursuer. In the days of her affliction and wandering, Jerusalem remembers all the treasures that were hers in the days of old. When her people fell into enemy hands, there was no one to help her. Her enemies looked at her and laughed at her destruction. Jerusalem has sinned greatly and so has become unclean. All who honored her despise her. For they have all seen her naked. She herself groans and turns away. Such a sad and tragic ending to a glorious kingdom. We Again, we think of, of the days of King Saul even and King David and King Solomon. When the kingdom was united and the temple was built and the palace was built and Jerusalem was made the capital and the Ark of the Covenant was brought in great fanfare into the most holy place. Now all of that destroyed. We think of even the days of, of the divided kingdom when Judah was faithful to the line of David and faithful King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah and the other prophets of the 8th century BC, faithful King Josiah just uh, years before this time, uh, calling on the people to repent, calling on the people to serve only the one true and living God, finding the book of the law and having all the people listen to it read and and all the reforms that he took place. And then his sons and one grandson took over in the years ahead. And no one followed that book of the law. And so now here we are. And Jeremiah laments. This once great nation, this once great people, destroyed and taken into exile. And all, there's no one to help her. There's no one to save her. Um, her enemies laugh at her destruction. They've, they've loved to see it coming. 
and uh, and that's and that's where we are lament lament and it's all because of their sins jeremiah throughout lamentations is clear this is because the people sin continuing on in chapter 1 skip down to verse uh, 16 this is why i weep and my eyes overflow with tears no one is near to comfort me no one to restore my spirit my children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed zion stretches out her hands but there is no one to comfort her the lord has decreed for jacob that his neighbors become his foes jerusalem has become an unclean thing among them the lord is righteous yet i rebelled against his command listen all you peoples look on my suffering my young men and young women have gone into exile jeremiah continues all of this throughout the first couple of chapters of the book of lamentations and continues on in chapter 2 verse 11 my eyes fail from weeping jeremiah is called the weeping prophet chapter 2 verse 11 my eyes fail from weeping i am in torment within my heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed because children and infants faint in the streets of the city verse 13 of chapter 2 what can i say for you with what can i compare you daughter jerusalem to what can i liken you that i may comfort you virgin daughter zion your wound is as deep as the sea who can heal you the visions of your prophets were false and worthless they did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity the prophets prophecies they gave you were false and misleading all who pass your way clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at daughter Jerusalem. Is this the city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? The prophets had said, no, this will never happen. God will always fight for his people, but their sins took that away. And Jeremiah kept warning and pleading, and they would not listen. And now it is over. It is over. In chapter 3 of Lamentations, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Skip down to verse 10. Like a bear lying in wait, Jeremiah 3, uh, Lamentations 3.10. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. Likely not talking about the king of Babylon, but talking about the one who used the king of Babylon and the Babylonian army, talking about the Lord God himself. Verse 13, he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, verse 18, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. And then notice in Lamentations 3, starting in verse 19, a moment of hope. I remember my affliction in my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, verse 21, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, 
we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lamentations 3, verses 19 through 26 is one of the most surprising passages in the Bible because in the midst of all of this suffering and all of this pain and all of this devastation and all of this famine and death and disease and, and mourning, lamenting, weeping, Jeremiah says, and yet this I call to mind, verse 21, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You know those songs, right? We sing them often here the steadfast love of the lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness the lord is my portion says my soul therefore i will hope in him that wonderful song and the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, both. You could say that the lyrics, the words are written by the prophet Jeremiah, not when things were going so great, not when everything was wonderful, not when there was victory all around, not when there were so much uh, uh, available for them to glory in and to be thankful for, but when they had nothing, when Jeremiah had nothing, when the city was being destroyed in front of his very eyes. When the Babylonians, the ruthless, pagan, cruel Babylonians had been used by the Lord to come in and punish his people like uh, they had never known before. Solomon's beautiful grand temple destroyed. David's royal palace destroyed. The walls breached. The treasures taken out of the temple, the ones that weren't hidden. And now the devastation and death and destruction is everywhere. And yet in the midst of that, Jeremiah sings this great song. He writes these words, great is thy faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And because of that, we are not completely destroyed. Jeremiah realized that because of everything he knew and saw and had seen and had said, and it heard from the Lord that it would have been completely understandable if God had just taken them off from the face of the earth completely. But he knew that God didn't do that. And so there was this remnant, a few faithful people left in the city of Jerusalem and the rest of the faithful people gone over to Babylon who would one day, 70 years away, return and rebuild. But for now, it's destruction and devastation. And yet, even in the midst of that, there is hope. Great is thy faithfulness. Um, 
I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what's going on all around you, but it could be something similar. It could be that your life is falling apart, that you're, you can't get away from all the destruction that we see in the world. You have great fears about what's ahead, not just for the world, but for even this country because of the direction that everything seems to be going away from God, away from morality, away from the word of God. And yet we know that in the midst of everything that's going on now, great is thy faithfulness. We know that in the midst of whatever is ahead of us and for us, whatever we're forced to go through, just like Jeremiah was forced to go through, these words are still true today. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. May God bless you in the days ahead, and I'll see you on Tuesday.